Welcome to Shout Out Patriots. I'm Martin Moyer, your host, and co-hosting today is Pastor Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. Joining us once again is Alec Rooney, the news editor for Christian Action Network. Producing the show is Michael Moyer, and out in Columbus, Ohio, is David Carroll. He's an attorney, and he is also the chairman of the board of Christian Action Network that is sponsoring this program. Welcome, everybody. All right, so I want to start off today with another one of those disturbing stories where apparently if you do not subscribe to everything the LGBT movement wants you to do or say, they want to mete out some pretty harsh punishments. And in this case, Jennifer Lima, she's an elected member of the North Kingston Town School Committee in Rhode Island. And on November 12th, she had a Facebook post that says, purposely misgendering students is an act mm. of violence. Respond accordingly. I don't know. You know, it's an act of violence. Respond accordingly. Now, she's citing the World Health Organization, of course. You know, she lives in America, but she's going to cite a UN organization to define the word violence for us. But she says that the WHO interprets violence as a means to also imprison people. So if you violate WHO's definition of violence, you should go to prison for using the wrong pronoun. So how is a misgendering violence? How is the word violence? Well, she goes back to the definition of the World Health Organization. So I'll read it to you. It's the intentional use of physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself, another person, or against a group or community that either results in or has a high likelihood of resulting in injury, death, psychological harm. There you go. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so if you produce psychological harm on another individual, that's an act of violence, according to the United Nations World Health Organization. And doing so should result in prison term. Okay. That's why she says respond accordingly. In other words, sticks and stones don't, no longer applies. Names will hurt me. And I'm vulnerable to whatever you say to me. Well, she is mis she's misciting the World Health Organization's definition because it isn't it isn't causing psychological harm. It is the use of physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself or another. So it requires physical force or power, even under World Health Organization definition. Now, I put this down to the problem of wokeism. I believe that wokeism is a form of mental illness. It leads to irrational thought, and that's exactly what she is displaying here. Interestingly enough, they attempted to recall her in election and failed. But hey, if what they say is true and we hold them to account, then they should all be locked up because they've been driving me crazy ever since they started talking. Yeah, very true. And look at the last two words of her Facebook post, right? Respond accordingly. I mean, right. Is, right. That sounds that like not, terrorism. Yeah, is that not inciting some violence there as well? That's that's pretty strong rhetoric right there. In other words, respond with violence. But I think this is just another attack on free speech. Because when you say that misgendering someone 
or saying the wrong words to someone is the same thing as physical violence, that's just totally, that's nonsensical. That's just... Well, that, here, here's what she told Fox News. I also believe that purposely misgendering someone is an act of psychological violence when done deliberately and consistently and should be responded to accordingly. That's what she told Fox News. So she is definitely talking about not physical violence. She's talking about psychological violence. I'm just amazed that somehow our society is now so mentally weak that if someone misgenders you, that it would cause you to have psychological violence. It makes me want to have a game show or something where you come on and you try to offend me. Yeah, right. I mean, come on, world. Try to say something to me that's going to psychologically damage me. I, anybody, try it. You know, it's, if someone called you, all right, you're stupid, Alec. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not that. You look funny, man. <laughs> Is that working, Alec? <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like, how can you be so lame as to as to set yourself up that you can be physically damaged by people, the words people say to you? Yeah. Hey, David, now I got a question for you. If they were to ever try to bring this to court, uh, wouldn't if I misgender somebody, wouldn't the evidence be in my favor that I'm correct and they're wrong? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think any rational judge would consider the mere use of words, mere use of the wrong pronoun to be the threat of physical force or power. So you say it's just not the use of physical force or power. Well, it just isn't. And and if this woman thinks that it is, then she's not right in the head. <laughs> right. But a lot of, of the things woke, that so. don't make sense to us right now didn't make sense to us ten or fifteen years ago, but they are being implemented right now. So to say that it can't eventually be interpreted as psychological violence, I think we better take a close look at that because a lot of the things that we didn't think could or would ever happen are now standard in today's society. And, uh, you know, how about the whole idea of birthing people, right? I mean, that came out and the first time it was mentioned was, of course, by a Harvard Medical Postgraduate and Continuation Program it came out in November 8, 2020, first time it was used. But now it's being used everywhere, right? It didn't take that long for something very ridiculous to become standardized. In you, our, like you, in couldn't call them, you couldn't call them pregnant women anymore or women yeah, but, yeah. And how having children. Hospitals are adopting this stuff. Sex right. assigned us at birth, right? We hear that all the time right now. You know, it's... The way that you are gendered when you are born is not biological anymore. Either a parent assigns you that sex or a doctor assigns you that sex. Right, gender is a verb now. And you can now change that assignment later on. So that was first introduced into America in 1994 by the American Psychiatric Association. I'm sure it was laughable back in 1994, but now it's everywhere. It's taught in the public schools. So this idea <clears throat> that misgendering someone will never take the shape or form as being interpreted as psychological violence, I think we're kidding ourselves. Because, you know, just a few weeks ago on our podcast, we talked about how Elizabeth Guzman in Virginia, a Virginia delegate here in our state, said she's going to introduce legislation this coming mm-hmm 
session in a state legislature that will make it a crime for parents if you do not affirm your own child's identity. This is out there. Gender People identity. are hearing it. We laugh now, but I'm telling you, I'm tired of this. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I'm seeing the things, many of the things that David Carroll and I laughed many years ago, thought would never happen. That's just being obscene, absurd. They are trying to gain media attention with this craziness. It's now implanted into the society. So I think we only discount this at our own risk. And it's something we need to rise up and speak out now about. The idea that you are committing psychological violence against someone if your child in school misgenders another child. Right. But it's going to catch on. Trust me. Okay, so laugh now. It's just a let's, way to control. Let's see what happens a year from now. It's just a way to control the words coming out of people's mouths. I saw this uh, bill in San Francisco or a proposal to start paying transsexuals uh, what, like $1,000 or a little over $1,000 a well, it's, month? It's not a bill. They're doing it. Yeah, they're, they're doing it. But did you see like the $1, list? 1400 a month or something. Yeah, know. did you see the list of like genders that they had available for you to claim and what I mean, there's in order like, to get your money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. <laughs> there's like, you, they, I mean, I, I know how many it's 172 or 182 different genders that you can click on. You can click more than one too, by the way, on this list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't it's know. Like, it's like a multiple choice test, right? <laughs> yeah. Click whatever Mix and match. Wow. <laughs> and then with these people, what happens is it's all subjective, as we know, and then it changes day to day. So you click uh -huh. 13 out of the 180, and then next week, you know, you don't feel like these three, so you got to substitute three for five. And you're offended and by a whole different set of things. And then, yeah, at that it's, point. it's this never ending game that they're playing. Remember the Monty Python skit, anybody, about the, the most dangerous joke in the world or the funniest joke in the world that was discovered in Germany or something? And. <laughs> They'd read it on the front lines, and all the enemy troops would f fall dead from laughing. And your own guy, your own people on your own side had to wear earmuffs so they couldn't hear it. And the soldiers are running through the fields reading this joke out, and then all the Germans are dying, falling out of their trenches laughing. That's that's the absurdity of words as weapons. Yeah, it is. But uh, I, I think it's getting, getting kind of tiresome nowadays that the LGBTQ movement, they started off saying we just want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to keep the government out of our bedrooms. Yep. That was our whole plan here back in the 70s. And if we get that, we're happy. Right. But then they wanted to be teachers, and then they wanted to marry, and then they wanted to adopt children, and then they wanted to be in the military, and now they want transgenders in the military, and then they want the special pronouns that you talk to them. Yeah, then they, they want to be able to change their sex if they want to change their change sex. Change your language and that you that, use. That's pretty bizarre by itself. But now they're forcing you not only to agree and to accept it, but now they want to possibly take your children away or put you in jail mm -hmm. if you don't do it. Yeah, things are escalating. They are escalating. So talking about escalation. All right, so this is kind of a crazy story out of California. There's going to be an after-school Satan club created by the Satanic Temple in response to a good news club at the Golden Hills Elementary in Tehachapi, Tehachapi California. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, Satanic Temple 
says that they are going to do a monthly meeting with kids at this elementary school ages 5 through 12. And uh, what they are basically trying to do, I'm assuming, is to make score some type of political point with the school to say, because you allowed this Christian good news club in the school, now you have to open up the gates to Satan. And I think they're betting or hoping that the school will deny both of them the right to meet at the school. Um, so I'm not sure what the school's going to do. Parents are outraged that it has been approved. Um, and it's going to be led by Paul Hicks, who bills himself as a critical thinking professor who will be running the club. All right, so here's what he says he's going to teach the kids. Because I, I was kind of curious. All right, so you're going to have this club at the school with these little kids, and you're a Satan club. So what are these kids going to do in this club? So he explains it. He says, I'm not teaching these kids to be satanic. I'm not teaching these kids that they need to hail Satan or identify as Satanists. <laughs> what we are doing is we're thinking critical thinking. We're teaching science. We're teaching empathy. We're teaching benevolence. All right, so here's my issue here. They're going to teach these 5 to 12-year-old critical thinking by teaching them that the club is called the Satan Club, put on by the satanic temple, but we don't worship Satan. What kind of critical... Th it starts right. off as stupid. <laughs> they're essentially, by saying they're not teaching the kids to worship Satan, they're essentially denying that they're a religion. If, they're, if they are not a religion, the school doesn't have to allow them to have equal access to what they would the school would give to a religious organization. Good point. Now, yeah. the interesting thing about it is there is a national satanic temple organization that they're apparently part of. Matter of fact, if you want to go to SatanCon 2023, <laughs> it's going to be in April in Boston. <laughs> and the satanic temple, the national organization, claims to be a religion while denying that they're teaching people to worship Satan, which makes you wonder, why are they calling it a satanic uh -oh. temple? What does it make you wonder? If they're denying <laughs> Satan. This makes David no sense. No logical sense whatsoever, as far as I can see. But if it's a religion, then the school would be required to give it equal access to every other religion. Mm. But if it's not a religion, as, he, as this professor seems to say, then the school may refuse to allow the satanic temple to be in the yeah, school. Yeah, that is a very good point. From what I understand, they're a 501c3 and they're seen as a religious organization, but we know that that's obviously false. We know Satan is the father of lies, so whoever follows him is going to be a liar. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this. We've seen several other stories and one locally where the satanic temple targets schools where there are these good news clubs and where there are Christian uh, organizations and churches and and different things that oppose their message. So, it, you know, it, it's it's very apparent what they're looking to do. They're looking to target these schools where they can go in, where they have the quote unquote right, and they're looking to have a foothold in these schools where there is a Christian presence. Right, and you know, when when my dad read that uh, statement that the that the leader of this Satan Club uh, said that. 
it's not teaching people to believe in Satan. He's just trying to uh, have people have critical thinking. Sounds to me, it's very offensive, and it sounds like he's trying to say, you know, Christianity does not involve critical thinking and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's what it sounds to me like he's well, just absolutely trying to... Absolutely, that's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but here's the question. All right, so they have this club. Let's say they actually, the school proves it, and they now have a monthly meeting called the Satan Club with 5 to 12-year-olds. Is anybody really going to be in that club? I mean, what parent's going to send their 5 to 12-year-old into a club that's run by Satanists? Because, believe me, a parent's not going to buy the There's story. There's going to be a couple. All right. Yeah. All right. Blue-haired so people. And let's say there is a couple. Of, of gender that, number 250. A couple kids go to this critical thinking Satan, non-Satan worshiping club. The professor who is going to be doing the instruction, he is a professor at the Los Angeles Pierce College, which is two hours away. It's not even close to the school. Hmm. I think this whole thing is nothing but a gimmick. He's not going to drive two hours every month to go teach a bunch of five or 12-year-olds critical thinking. The only, their only goal here is to kick out the good news club. That's what they're hoping for, and that's what they're hedging their bet on. Right. Is that's what's going to happen. And I've been following these kind of like battles of religion inside of public schools for quite some time or, you know, at City Hall or whatever. And these entities are afraid of lawsuits. They don't have the budget mm-hmm. for lawsuits. So for them, their best option, I think, is to kick the Good News Club out so they don't have to let the Satan Club in to avoid the lawsuit. Well, you know, it sounds to me as though that the name, the Satan Club, is uh, pretty apt because uh, if what they're trying to do is stop the spread of the good news, uh, calling yourself Satan is pretty, you know, dead on. (laughs) (laughs) It's right up the alley, right? Right. right. We're going to stop the good news. Uh, We call ourselves Satan, but we don't want you to think that we are Satan worshipers. That, that whole thing is just very bizarre and confusing, isn't it? Yeah, and look, if you go to their website, on the homepage, it's all about baby murder. It's all about the promotion of abortion. So you would think that if I go to their website, I'm going to see it's going to be about Satan. It's going to be who who they're worshiping, right? But we know that there's deception on that side. So they're not going to just come right out and tell you what their agenda and what their plan is. But Marty, I have to say that there's... I, I can guarantee you that there's going to be parents that bring their kids to that satanic club. You know, just we can say the same thing. What parent in their right mind is not is is not going to want to go to or is is going to bring their kid to a drag show, right? With confused men dressed as women and dancing in front of their kids, throwing dollar bills at them. And sadly, you know, it's it's there's no logic anymore. There's no common sense. These parents don't care about their kids if they're doing that. But I, I guarantee you there's going to be people who show up, who think it's cool, who hate Christianity, who want to explore it. And here's another thing, and because I've, I've spoken to ex-Satanists and ex-witches and people who now have found Christ, and they say, look, there's several different times of, types of, of Satanism. There's those in the Satanic temple that really, really worship Satan himself. 
But then there's others where, you know, they just want to be part of something. They want to be part of a group, the benevolence, like you mentioned. And what they do is they target Christians who have been hurt and harmed by churches before. So now mm. it's, hey, we're we're this loving, accepting culture and environment. And that's what and happens. Who aren't is, going to judge you. Right, exactly. So... <laughs> and we just call ourselves Satan. Yeah. It just makes no sense. <laughs> you know, uh, interestingly, uh, the same week that this was disclosed, there was a story out of Texas where three Satanists murdered a woman by beating her in the head and severing her fingers, her toes, her ears as part of a sacrifice. Sarah Hobson, she was 36. She was found dead in her mobile home during a welfare check with her fingers, toes, and ears stuffed into a plastic freezer bag and placed between her legs in Joaquin, Texas, according to the sheriff's department. And her lifeless body was rolled up in a piece of carpet that had been cut from the floor. Now, here's the interesting part, or I'm not sure it's interesting or it, you can't get above that, right? But here's another part of the story. Here's the interesting part. Yeah. Right? yeah. That was the boring yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was the boring <laughs> stuff. <laughs> One of those that were arrested was Ethan Myers, 26, a member of the Church of Satan, which the Daily Beast reports is a typically nonviolent group. <laughs> Just like typically, uh, typically nonviolent, typically nonviolent, you know, riots in the streets. O- only when they kill people and chop them up and put them <laughs> in plastic bags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, here the Daily Beast is, right? Okay, this is horrible. You know, these three Satanists went in and chopped up this poor woman as a sacrifice, parts of her off and stuffed her in the freezer, wrapped her up in her own carpet. But we got to protect the Church of Satan. So let's just say these are just the oddballs inside right. because typically they don't do this sort of stuff. Yeah, typically they're, they're just about benevolence, right? Yeah, typically they're about <laughs> benevolence. Um. But a story like that starts to circulate out there in California that, hey, here's what Satanists do. You know, people need to wake up and see what they are worshiping. And I wouldn't even say Satan's a who. He is definitely a what. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He is mean. He is evil. He is bloodthirsty. And his servants know that, as was depicted here in Texas. And you got to be crazy to send your 5- to 12-year-old child into a club that calls itself the Satanic Temple. And the club itself is called the Club of Satan. So I don't know. Uh, David, I don't know how this really works in all schools, but I thought most schools that if you have an after-club you know, group, you still have to have a teacher inside the school that sponsors that group. Is is that just here in Virginia or most schools? I, I don't know how. Who's the, going to be the sponsor of this group in that school? It's not named. Well, that's, that's school by school. I mean, there's no overall rule on that. It's up to the school to decide whether they, they have to have a sponsor from within the school. Uh, I, I suspect most schools require that, but... It's not mandatory. I would think you would have to have someone associated with the school to be there during this time. A school's yeah. not going to leave itself A faculty vulnerable. advisor or sponsor. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. I mean, the school's going to be liable for anything that goes on inside this I'm sure they'll come Satan. up with one of those, too. <laughs> some some purple-haired teacher will... Well, volunteer to be a part of the right. Satan Club to out there. be part of the critical thinking Satan Club. 
the the interesting thing about this is that uh, one of the interesting things is they they deny that they have anything to do with the supernatural or spiritual world. In fact, they claim to reject it. But Satan is a supernatural, spiritual being. I mean, they're naming their organization after a supernatural, spiritual being, and then disclaiming anything having to do with the the supernatural or the spiritual. And if you look at the the uh, the Satanic Temple National website, it's got all sorts of satanic uh, symbolism. It's got pentagrams. It's got demons depicted. <laughs> uh, it's clearly is all of its surrounding uh, surrounding imagery is about the supernatural. So what they say and then what they display are in conflict with each other. Of course, uh, yeah, Satan is, is the uh, prince of lies, so I guess that shouldn't be that big a surprise. Yeah, it, almost, it almost sounds like something Satan himself would do, right? Big, <laughs> big, uh, big shocker. And here's the thing. A lot of these parents who are going to bring their kids to these programs, these clubs, they're not going to do the research that we're doing. You know, they might not go on the website. They just say, you know what, man, the, the church burnt me. Sounds kind of cool. You know, I want to get into spiritual things or, you know, oh, they're telling me they're not going to talk about spirituality. They're just talking about some some good things. And, you know, we want to be critical thinkers and they're just going to go and they're going to be deceived. And we know that Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. And that's what his messengers do as well. And they're supposed to be teaching people about critical thinking. <laughs> and well, they make that kind it, of a decision. It sounds like David already has critical thinking, haven't heard him, so he doesn't really need to attend this 5- to 12-year-old class on critical thinking. <laughs> well, without getting too theological about it, the whole concept of Satan can only exist if you believe in God, because Satan is the one who went against God, right? Right. So to believe in Satan, you must believe in God and, and have chosen Satan instead. Well, it certainly sounds to me like they are choosing to go against God, just the foundation of what they're saying. Right, that's the whole concept of Satan. Is, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe in God and I reject him. Yeah. That's I a, want to go back to the 1960s when the prayer and the Bible were kicked out of the school because Christians really weren't in an uproar about it because the side that wanted it kicked out kept saying, well, if you allow the Bible and prayer in the school, you're going to have to allow Satan and witches in the school. It scared the Christians back then. It said, oh, my God, you're right. If we allow prayer, continue to allow prayer and the Bible in the schools, sooner or later, witches and Satan is going to be allowed in the schools. So they kicked it out. And guess what? Christians caved, as they always typically do in these cases. And guess what's coming into the school? Even though they caved, Satan. Right. Yep. Still coming into school. You lose. Again, that mentality always loses. You give up, you lose. Yep. That's it. If you lay down, you're going to lose. You're going to get beat up because these people will beat you up mercilessly, satanically. <laughs> but it ticks me off. Put your fingers in a plastic bag, too. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move up north to Canada. Because this, I don't know. This is crazy. All right, so a Canadian man facing eviction from his home doesn't want to be left homeless, so he asked that he be legally euthanized and die rather than having to face homelessness. It's bad enough that people out there 
are feeling that their life is worth nothing if they're left without a home, that there is no way to solve that situation. Hmm. But just, society itself is agreeing that we will kill you. It's the next at step your past whim? abortion. It, you know, I mean, they, they they think abortion is fine because they don't want to have to accept the responsibility of raising a child. So why would they, uh, like, disagree with somebody who wants to kill themselves because they can't support themselves? Right. Obviously, it leads to that. Yeah, and it's an actual governmental program. It's MAID, M-A-I-D, Medical Assistance in Dying Program. Mm-hmm. And it's, man, it's it's so perverse. We just talked about Satan. Here's Satan, you know, mm-hmm. pulling the strings behind this. Fortunately, the man, I'm sure you'll, you'll share this in a second, mm-hmm. Marty, but this man chose not to proceed with the program. Well, yeah, but there was yeah. a caveat to it, right? So, yeah. All right, so this man, his name is Amir Fassad. He's 54, and he does have, uh, I guess, back pain that cannot be treated, but he did say that he's not choosing to end his life over the back pain. He's choosing to end his life over not having a home to live in. So someone named Effie and... Uh, that's all this individual goes by because Effie wants to remain anonymous from their real name, decided to do a GoFundMe campaign so that this guy could have a home. And Effie raised $60,000 to put a roof over his head, hmm. and he changed his mind. <laughs> I wonder if it sounds like a brilliant fun, fundraising yeah, scheme wonder, to me. I wonder if his name is Effie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he says, I don't want to die, but I don't want to be homeless more than I don't want to die. It's not my first choice. It's my understanding that Canada's original program permitted this medically assisted suicide uh, only if you were terminally ill, had no hope of surviving. And then a year or two ago, no, it was this year, they modified the program to, to include people who were in pain that was incurable. Not homelessness. Homelessness didn't qualify the guy for the program. It was his incurable back pain that qualified for the program. And I think it's really telling that as soon as $60,000 is on the table, suddenly he didn't want to die anymore. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad, but... It's a miracle. It, 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 it's about money. That's All right, so made was legalized in Canada in 2016. Now, this number, to me, is astounding. In 2021 alone, 10,000 Canadians were euthanized. Oh, man. Wow. 10,000 of them. Wow, that's crazy. That's It's assisted suicide, right? Assisted suicide, yeah. 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 I go back to the top of our program. If we are now encroaching on a society and Canada's not that far from us. And what really starts in Canada ends up in the United States. Anyway, we all know that in this woke stuff. Yeah. If they're willing, the government is willing to kill you because you're homeless or kill you because you're depressed and suffering mental anguish. Or someone called you the wrong pronouns. Well, of course, yeah. What's the next step? I don't think it's really that outrageous that, well, sure. Putting you in prison because you refuse to affirm your child's gender identity in Virginia, or you use the wrong pronoun and go to prison in Rhode Island. I don't see that as being much more shocking 
than euthanizing someone because they're homeless. Isn't that a bit contradictory that they would say that it would be a crime for you to misgender somebody because they'll get depressed and then also say that it's okay to kill somebody because they're depressed? Isn't it like... <laughs> See, seem a little I'm bit confused. Messed up there. It, it it all comes full circle, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And now you got this respect for marriage act, where they're codifying same sex marriage, where they're going to force churches and and clergy to engage in in um you know instituting a homosexual yeah. marriage. And yeah, it that's just, it does not stop. That's up for I guess. Uh, real national debate right now whether the Respect for Marriage Act will require churches and nonprofits to recognize, uh, you know, gay marriage. Uh, Schumer did put in an amendment that says churches and religious organizations do not have to uh, recognize same-sex marriages, and uh, they won't suffer any penalty, including the loss of their tax exempt status. But uh, some conservative senators otherwise they say that we're just not reading Schumer's language correctly and um, one senator I guess his name is uh, is it Mike Lee uh, David Carroll do you remember I think it's Senator Lee uh, decided to offer an amendment to the Respect to Marriage Act to really make it clear that nonprofits and churches won't lose their taxes and status or be punished in any way and that amendment got voted down. So he's saying, look, I had stronger language up there to guarantee that religious Americans would not be punished in any way. They rejected it. So that should tell you that they are going to come after you. I mean, he makes a very compelling argument. Well, look, I mean, we know it. who the Democrats are. They they don't want to give that exemption out. And if they can find a way to hide that, they're going to hide it there. There's no way that they will willingly say Oh, we're not going to prosecute the Christian people. No, they, that's what they want. <laughs> that's the whole reason for the whole thing to begin with. I have tried to parse my way through, you know, uh, Chuck Schumer's amendment that's supposed to protect people like us or organizations like us, churches like yours. And one thing that is clear to me, that amendment does not protect Christian businesses at all. So if you are a website designer or a bakery or you are a photographer out there there's nothing in that amendment that says you cannot be forced after that bill passed to take a picture at a gay wedding or make a bake a gay wedding cake or if you're a florist you know provide flowers for a same-sex go through all marriage. the motions of supporting yeah. same-sex marriage yeah so but uh senator lee's amendment would have protected those businesses so guarantee you you know they got evil, you know, up their sleeve. Well, you know, the Democrats yeah. keep saying that the the thing that they are most worried about is dictators. And you know that since they are saying that's who they're fighting against, that that is who mm -hmm. they are. They, that, always, they have shown they, that every single time. They always time. project what they're doing. Let me ask David a question, because this has puzzled me to begin with. The Supreme Court already legalized same-sex marriage. So... If the Senate and the House are going to now codify it, I'm not even sure. Once, what's the difference between codifying it if it's already legal? Isn't that like, you know, hey, duplicating itself? The law is already there. Why do you have to pass a law? And if it failed, if they can't pass it, does that mean that it's not legal to marry? I mean, 
they can't have it both ways. They can't say we got to pass this thing to codify it into law and then say if it doesn't pass, oh, well, we were just kidding here. It's political theater. I agree with you I, that the uh, Ober, Obergfell decision, having found that it's a constitutional right for gays to get married, that's it. it, it that's a, that bill, I read the bill, it's very short. It doesn't really do or say anything new. It doesn't add to what the Supreme Court's done. It's all about theater. It's political theater. It's about the Democrats saying, oh, look what we're doing for you. They're talking to their base. Um, and they want to be able to point to Republicans voting against it, saying, ah, oh, these Republicans, they're against marriage. It's well, all theater. That's all it is. There is this additional argument being made as to why Congress wants this bill passed, even though gay marriage is already legal. Once it passes and becomes law, it now becomes public policy of the U.S. government. And because it's now public policy, if you as a church are violating public policy, see, if it's just a Supreme Court ruling legalizing gay marriage, you're not violating a public policy of the federal government that's giving you your tax-exempt status. But once it's passed by the House and the Senate and signed into law by Joe Biden, if you are opposed to public policy, they can't put you in jail, but they can revoke your tax-exempt status. So some are thinking that this is the real reason why they're trying to get this thing passed, is to give them teeth to go after churches. But then Schumer adds that amendment to it, which seems like it protects, but heck, I don't know. Uh, they could just repeal that amendment, I guess, once it passes. I, I, I have no idea. This is, these senators and members of Congress will drive you nuts trying to figure out what their ultimate strategy is. But David, what do you think about the public policy question? I don't think it makes any difference. I think the Supreme Court has already made it public policy that gay marriage is a constitutional right. That is public policy. I don't think this bill does anything more. I don't think it, I don't think it, uh, it makes it any more dangerous. It's dangerous enough as it is. The, the, the whole thing about the IRS being allowed to disallow organizations that violate public policy, that's already there. I don't think they need this bill to do it. This is, you know, kind of what I heard on why they're trying, why they are trying to do it, and um, it was like the idea that because of Roe v. Wade's interpretation getting overturned, that somehow this other ruling would get overturned. Is that a legitimate uh, argument to you, David? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate argument. Uh, certainly, if the Supreme Court made the finding and overfell, they could come back later on and say well, we made a mistake. That wasn't really a good decision and, and change your minds. If it has been codified into law by Congress, then it's a law. It's, it's, it's there. So, Guys, there might be also something deeper here. David, I want to ask you, you said that you read the bill. I didn't have a chance to, but I, I was listening to a sermon earlier today, and the pastor mentioned that in addition to codifying same-sex marriage, they're also in this bill looking to codify biracial marriage. Did you read that? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. that's in the bill too. But biracial marriage has been lawful for right. no, but let me decades. Ask, yeah, so here's my point with this. So obviously, those of us on, on our side, right, the, the patriots, the Christian conservatives, right, 
those of us who disagree with same-sex marriage, we will agree we're, we're perfectly fine with biracial marriage. So my point is, is that in putting that in this same bill, it's almost forcing those on the Republican conservative side to maybe say yes to this when they would say no, so they're not going to look like they're racist. Right, that's a good point. Because you did have a number of, uh, I forget how many senators switched over, like 11 of them? Yeah, 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. So switched over. Yeah. And maybe they switched over because they want to be accused of being against uh, biracial marriage. Well, right? that's, that's, that's their strategy. That's what they do with all bills. They yeah. put something in there to make you standing up against the bill look bad and try to say that you are, uh, you know, have bad character if you stand up against this bill because they put in this one little thing that makes it a righteous bill, which is a stupid ploy. And I can't believe that the American people continue to fall for this sort of thing. Our program's running longer than I was expecting because this week is Thanksgiving week as we're taping this thing. So we wanted to keep it kind of short so we could do all the production levels that we have to do in this, in this short week. But I am going to ask this final question of the pastor. Uh, and I know you haven't had any time really to mold the your answer over, but the it looms out there if this bill passes and the IRS now has 87,000 new agents to start going after groups that are violating public policy with their tax-exempt status, and they start going after churches, and they start pulling the tax-exempt status of churches who refuse to marry gay couples uh, what do you think is going to happen to churches out there? Do you think they're just going to cave and keep their taxes in status and start marrying gay couples? Or is your feeling going to be uh, they will not allow that line to be crossed? They're going to hold their ground and they're going to stand for biblical principles. I mean, it's tough to answer uh, for the majority of churches. I think this is an issue where, um, you know, most of the churches probably will take a stand, you know, regardless of consequences. That's my hope. You know, we see that a lot of churches and pastors and even Christians, you know, don't go to the school board meeting, won't fight against Satan. But I think with this, I mean, like Michael said, every, every Christian should be against this bill. We see that there are churches, you know, especially United Methodist churches, other denominations who are marrying same-sex couples. Um, my hope is is that the church will take a stand. Um, I, I hope that I'm correct there. You know, there's in the back of my mind all the, the churches that we see that have caved in with different issues with the COVID where they don't speak truth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, there, there's some that, that probably are, are right there on the line that are going to have to make that decision and say, okay, what, it, what is it going to take? It might, we might lose our 501c3 status. I might have to get in prison. But I think that this is... This is for, for the true Christian church. This is the line where we can't back down. Do you think that it will hurt the church greatly financially if they lose their tax exempt status? In other words, could this be cataclysmic for churches if they lose their tax exempt status and have to you know, now pay taxes? Well, Marty, I think what a lot of churches need to do is they need to reinstitute their, their bylaws and whatnot and come with a, uh, a, a free church, yeah, 508C1A, where, you know, under the, the Constitution, we have the freedom to assemble, we have the freedom of religion, 
So I think a lot of, and I've, I've seen several churches where they've told me, they said, you know what, I, I went from my 501c3 status and I've transformed it to being a free church. So I think a lot of churches need to get ahead of this and say, I'm not going to be scared of, of losing a 501c3 status. In America, we have the right to freedom of religion. We have the right to assemble. Yeah, but you still lose your taxes up status. So that would cut the finances probably greatly out of the churches uh, because not only will they have to pay taxes, but people who donate to the church will have to pay taxes on their givings and those donations will go down. I'm not sure. I mean, that's what the goal is, by the way. You know, they, they want you to lose your tax exempt status to drive you out of business. Let's not forget, this is what their goal is. And the question is, is that even possible if they succeed in revoking the tax exempt status out of churches? David, final question goes to you. If the IRS goes after these churches once this bill is passed, for violating public policy and tries to revoke their taxes and status, do you think the Supreme Court would allow them to do that? I can't predict anything the Supreme Court will do. I think it would be more devastating to the churches than, than Pastor Jason uh, realizes. If, if the tax exempt status is revoked, the, the IRS is then gonna wanna tax all of the donations to the church and have the church pay income tax on those donations, and the donations won't be tax deductible to the people giving them. Uh, I think it could be devastating. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us today, and I hope that everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Ours is coming up, but by the time you see this, you will have had yours. We hope to see you again next week. Join us. We'll have some more interesting topics we can yell about and argue about and, you know, maybe come to conclusions on some things. But uh, I like the spirited debate that we had today. I hope you enjoyed it as well. So remember to share this podcast, like it, tell your friends about it. Our numbers are growing. Miraculously, I might add, but they are growing. And we're getting a lot of uh, people who are now listening in and watching this program. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye now.